Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So today we're super excited because we are going to be talking about opening lines and kind of opening scenes even too, maybe a little bit, but that start to your book. Um, And this is the hook, like this is what gets people to pick your book up and keep reading it or to um, pick it up and skim it and then actually buy it. And so those opening lines, they're also what will sell an agent on your book and a publishing house on your book and super, super important. They'll probably be rewritten more than any other lines in your book. (laughs) Um, And I think it's so fascinating to look at what different authors do with those opening lines, how they introduce both the feel of the, the text and the tone of the text, as well as the characters or the setting or what's you know, going to be happening in the book itself. So I'm really excited. Laura has a whole pile. I wish you guys could all see her pile of books. I might have to take a picture like, to commemorate. There was a lot of like uncertainty of which ones to choose, so I just chose a lot. I love it. I had like a couple that came to mind that I like had pulled up, but I, yeah, the pile of books is just perfect. <laughs> so we have lots of examples today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and we might want to start, if you're okay with like talking about first what you mentioned about, it's the thing that will be written, written and rewritten so many times. And yeah. what I think for myself, um, especially as a recovering perfectionist, what I needed to do is just remind myself, get something down for your first draft like just get words down it doesn't have to be amazing it doesn't have to be thought-provoking it just has to be a thing that then helps you get through the draft which then you can go back and even figure out what your story is and then what the first line really should be and that might even likely that you will like it's it's very unlikely that you'll land on those perfect first words in the first draft like it just Absolutely. <laughs> and it may be, it may be the fifth, it may be the thirtieth. Yeah. Like it's, it's okay to, to go back as you get to know your story and kind of get yes. to develop what the story is. I think you can better figure out what, you know, that opening line, that first paragraph, that first yeah. chapter, what all it needs and wants to be even. I completely agree. And yet I also find it really interesting. Something I'm learning about myself and my process is that I, so I'm realizing that I often start with an opening line. Like that is what I have to start with. And if I don't have yeah. an opening line, I don't know how to get into the story. And it might not be the right opening line and I might end up yes. changing it later. But like I, I was just watching R.L. Stein's um, masterclass yep. and he talks about how he has to have the title first. Like he starts with yes. the title almost always. And he has this funny or quirky or interesting title that intrigues him. And then from the title, he creates the idea and everything else. And yes. I find that I often start with an opening line. Like there is one line that just like nags at me yeah. <laughs> and then have to develop the story from that. More often than starting with an idea or a concept or a character or world building or whatever I have line. (laughs) It's kind of interesting. I think that's valid to say that, you know, even it could change from work to work, but, but even just knowing that what is your, what is the thing that keeps you coming back to the story? Cause we have to have that motivation too, that like the burning coal that keeps us coming and showing up. Yeah. That hook. Right. Yeah. So we even need our own why, our own reason. And that's exactly what the first lines and first you know chapter is is that 
yeah, what immersing, yeah, it's, it's the invitation to the story and it can be even the invitation for ourselves, the yeah. like starting one foot into the immersing yourself in the world of the story. Yes. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of strategies. There's a lot of lists out there, if, you know, we'll link in some articles, but if you boil it all down, the different strategies down, really there's four ways of kind of getting that hook in that first line. Hmm. And it's either, I mean, it could be some combination of these or one, sure. you know, it asks a question that is intriguing. So hmm. it brings a question into the mind of the reader that they want answered. It does something for character. It gives you a character it introduces them or it gives you some information about that character it might even be in their voice potentially it gives you imagery so it sets up the world sets up the setting gives you something to link you into the place of the story and then theme it might give you potentially something about what the overarching theme of the story is before it even gets you into the rest of the parts of the story that's good. I hadn't so, thought about it that way. Yeah. I've definitely thought about the question thing. And those tend to be, I think, my favorites. Like I want yes. first line that hooks me or at least a first paragraph that makes me go, oh, what's that about? Like, I want to know more about that. You know? <laughs> Do you want to start with Red Queen then? Yes, I think Red Queen's a great example of that. <laughs> uh, Red Queen is, I hate First Fridays. It makes the village crowded. And now in the heat of high summer, that's the last thing anyone wants. I think with that, what the heck is First Fridays? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, and why don't people want them? Like, why don't yes. people want it to be hot during them? Or, you know, like, I don't know. Yes. It just makes you think of so many questions, I think, right away. And it, it right away sets you in this idea of, like, okay, this is not our world. Like, I mean, I don't automatically oh, know what First Fridays no. are, you know? <laughs> like, Absolutely. So it's clearly a fantasy world. There's clearly these other things that are, are going to, I'm going to be figuring out. I think also it's an intriguing, any, anytime a character has a very strong emotion about something yes. right away, I want to know why. Like what led to that strong emotion? Why are they feeling it? And that pulls me into a story for sure. Absolutely. And I, I think it kind of, it gets you on their side a yeah. bit too, because we all can kind of relate to that strong feeling of like, yeah. oh, I don't want to do this. And you don't know if she just really doesn't like it or like you don't know the context of why it is such a strong emotion if it's just like she's engaging in hyperbole i love that too that it it really starts to get you sympathetic to the person talking and especially since yeah. it's in the first person it kind of just throws you in there and you're like well yeah you know when it's hot and it's like all these people are together like you totally kind of get into that space Yes. And also you can start filling out what the spaces she's in. So it's both that question, but also the starting to fill out the setting mm -hmm. and also kind of starting to fill out the character in terms of she doesn't mince her words. Like she's very yeah. like, just it there. would not be yeah. as, as good of an opening if it was like, oh, I kind of don't like first Fridays or, you know, like, like, like using strong pages right away pulls you in. I'm like, okay, why do you hate this thing? <laughs> But it's almost that direct dialogue that you do. Like you almost like are, are wanting to her to give you the answer to that question. Yes. And I I love I love that kind of you get starting to get into the almost vernacular of the person. Yeah. Um, so that you get that feel. I think actually um I also have 
the hate you give and that one has a very strong feel to it too yes and it, it also has kind of other implications it's setting up more than just her voice but the first line for that one is i shouldn't have come to this party i'm not even sure i belong at this party that's not on some boogie shit but either there are just some places where it's not enough to be me yeah like you you get obviously she's at a party <laughs> and yeah. i think kind of one of those feelings that are a bit universal like we all can have that experience of walking into a place and we're like i don't, I don't want to be, be here, here. <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure it right away makes you empathize with the character and relate to them for sure absolutely and then we also get how she speaks we get a lot of like the characterization in in her word choice and and yeah. even like dropping curse words in you get a lot of feelings about who she is and also about who she has to be and yeah. that's also really relatable too and that's such a big part of that whole book too that she yes. kind of becomes slightly different in different environments and changes who she is and how she acts to fit in a little bit and so that sets it up like right at the beginning of that <laughs> the whole book which is so great exactly <laughs> That, speaking of like strong character reactions, that made me think too of, um, I hadn't really thought of pulling this one out, but um, this Savage song I just finished. I think V.E. Schwab, like Victoria Schwab is incredibly talented at first lines. Like I feel like her first lines always blow me away. But the beginning of this Savage song is the night Kate Harker decided to burn down the school chapel. She wasn't <laughs> angry or drunk. She was desperate. And right away you're wondering like, okay, what made her so desperate that she's going to commit this crime, that she's going to burn down a school chapel? Like, yes. know something about the character, like, okay, at least willing to go to extreme measures for what she wants. And you're right, right away asking, like, what does she want? And what she brilliantly does then is throughout that, that whole chapter, she shows this action of her burning down the chapel and slowly, slowly gives you this information yes. of what she wants, leading to the end of the chapter where you finally find out exactly what she wants, which is not to be as cool as go home. She wants to get kicked out, you know, like, and it's just, it's so compelling. Like, it's so interesting to be like, wow, she really wants to be kicked out and what's behind that. And you just want to know more. Yeah. This is not, this is a very different type of example, but her V Schwab's opening for Darker Shade of Magic is also so brilliant, (laughs) but it has a very different feel from that. So the opening for Darker Shade of Magic is Kel wore a very peculiar coat. It had neither one side, which would be conventional, nor two, which would be unexpected, but several, which was, of course, impossible. <laughs> which is so good, right? Like, I love it. Like quirky and out there, and right away you're introduced to, okay, this is a world where things that are impossible are possible, and where things yes. that are different are happening, and gives you that feel and flavor of, of the magic and of the text right from the get-go. And it also pulls you in, because you want to know, like, who's Kellen? Why does he have this crazy coat? How does he have it? What, is, what kinds of different sides? Like, and you right away then see him switching the sides and learn like different things about him from the types of coats he wears, which is such an interesting way into the character, I think, too. Well, and think about how intriguing that is versus if it was a world explanation instead. Yes. Like, it welcomes you into the world where you get one piece that kind of hooks you and strings you along through the explanation of that. And I think, you know, we've talked about being specific before, but I think sometimes, like, giving that example, if you're wanting to get someone into the world, just 
have something what is the intriguing things about this world what makes it interesting and how can you unfold it over time even how the world works by just setting up that question of like wait what like (laughs) come again and I think the unexpected yeah especially with with that the impossible is always really intriguing like you're like Wait, so what is the what is the trick here? What is the hand waving that makes it possible? And you're here for that. It, it is like a magic trick, like a yeah. sleight of hand that then makes that somehow feasible. Yeah. Do you have any other examples of like good question ones or ones that kind of pull you in because you want to know like, oh, I want to know more about that? I, we have used it before, but I, I will bring it up again. Mexican Gothic does that yeah. just so well. With I think that gothic though also fits in that category of setting like yes her opening it, it does like spark this question but it also is so atmospheric really yes. like even from the get-go which is so fitting for that book it is it, and it's a combination of like setting up the character because we get all of that in that first section uh, the first sentence i, I can read real quick because actually yeah, it's decently long the parties at the Tinian's house always ended unquestionably late and since the hosts enjoyed costume parties in particular it was not unusual to see chinas poblanas with their folkloric skirts and ribbons in their hair arrive in the company of a harlequin or a cowboy (laughs) Um, and then it goes through that you get this whole setting of all that party atmosphere of why it is one of the parties to be at that every you know all those chauffeurs are taking naps um to late into the night because they know no one's going to be picked up so the couple stepping out of the party at 10 p.m therefore broke convention and then what's worse the man's driver had left to fetch himself dinner and could not be found the young man looked distressed trying to determine how to proceed he had warned a paper mache horse's head a choice that now came back to haunt him as they'd have to make the journey through the city with this cumbersome prop. Noemi had warned him she wanted to win the costume contest. All of that, it goes into then, Noemi decided not to wear the couple's version of that. Like she's not the jockey that she was supposed to be. I love all of that because it's like you get all of this there's so much about who she is she's the type of person that's going to change her mind on the time like do what she wants not and she's not going to apologize for it not once and i i love her throughout that scene because since the entire book then shows her thrust into this very different situation to see her in her element is is just it's delicious you get like who that character is who is wonderful you want to like read or you know anything that she does because they're like she's fantastic (laughs) and I love just how much visual happens during those scenes too like it's hilarious to think of a guy wandering around the city (laughs) looking for a chauffeur holding like a horse's head like (laughs) that's so true and I think it's so important that you see her in her element because she gets not just because she gets thrust into this other very different um, environment, but also because she starts to question herself and you wouldn't know she was questioning herself or changing in the ways that yes. she starts to change later in the book, unless you had seen that contrast at the beginning. Well, and um, one more that kind of asks 
that question is the prologue at the beginning of The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adaya. It would not be a welcome dawn. Already the sky told this story with its sad halo of silver beckoning from beyond the horizon. And it's actually a prologue um, as well, which some of the ones that we, we have here, they do flashes forward or flashes back. And this is a flashback before we get into the actual beginning of the book in the, in the first chapter, which is, they were not gentle. And why should they be? After all, they did not expect her to live past the next morning. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, one, I. Yeah, well, that right away pulls you in. Why is she not going to live past the next morning? What is going on? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, those are my favorites. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> and that's exactly like the, it, it doesn't have to start exactly in those spots, but it's, I think it's just the, this is the thing that, you know, this is a question that we're going to pull out and decide to focus on. And then it's slowly over, you know, that chapter with, I think almost every single one of these, the unfolding of it is so, it's a really good trickle of information. None of these have huge dumps of information. It weaves that story where you do get character, you get, especially the ones where you're hearing them talk in the first person, you get all of that spirit of the character as they're opening up that story yeah with the question that one makes me think of like that makes me think of hunger games too like you get kind of right away this you have that one too okay great <laughs> you can go ahead because yep, yep. <laughs> this one's going to come back around when we yeah. talk about endings as well but the beginning of hunger games is when i wake up the other side of the bed is cold my fingers stretch out seeking prim's warmth but finding only the rough canvas cover of the mattress. She must have had bad dreams and climbed in with our mother. Of course she did. This is the day of the reaping. Yeah. And again, it's the yeah. question of what's the reaping? Like, Absolutely. tell us more. And you kind of, you don't get more right away. You kind of get this slow trickle, like, throughout that chapter. And I think that is so effective because if you went right into what the reaping is, mm-hmm. I think it would actually would be a huge turn off to continuing the reading of the book even um because i know that to me was actually a barrier to entry in the hunger games series and i that was my own fault because it was a great read i i like a lot about the trilogy and it is one of those that i think that some of these concepts you know including um the red queen with first fridays you do kind of have to be eased in to that part, those brutal parts of the story. Mm-hmm. If it just came at you, if it was like a jump into action and you're in the space where the reaping, like the choosing yeah. is happening, or if you're in where it was like a previous Hunger Games, I don't think it would have that same ability to kind of ease and immerse you into the story mm-hmm. without it being a turnoff. But the her whole point, point is is not that the reaping is like it's not something that's there to be violent and like mm-hmm. glorifying that it's there to be like this is wrong mm-hmm. and 
the whole point like we have to be on Katniss's side that we want to see yeah. that we want to see that burn down to the ground like yeah. literally and it really helps us get into that frame of mind yeah uh, and someone as I was doing some research on kind of just ways of starting stories yeah. there were lots of different words that were kind of used about how that works kind of like weaving yeah. your story around your reader as you know huh. like like you're creating a dream and kind of you're weaving it around them um yeah. or like you're giving them an invitation to go further into the story that's what the you know first parts of the book are or you're grounding your reader in your world like mm -hmm. and i thought you know, and even the introduction to the world of the story or tone setting, like all of those were really helpful. As we write something, you know, sometimes we can get so stuck in almost like, well, this needs to be profound and this needs to be really like in your face and interest, you know, and, and we almost forget yeah. that, but we also need to, our readers are coming to this story with just whatever it is you know if they've read the hook if they've seen the cover uh -huh. and you're trying to ease them into the world mm -hmm. you're not trying to give them too much stuff you're trying to you know give appetizers of information yeah. you're trying to kind of do that combination of techniques to you know it's almost like a computer software program rendering around you that mm -hmm. it can't all render at once so you're choosing what you do at given points to kind yeah. of get them into it so that they can acclimatize to what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. Uh, and I know we had once talked about um, like jumping into action, <laughs> yes. you know, that there are some books that jump directly into action. And as I was looking at them, really the only one that I really like a lot and I think was really fitting to the book itself um was actually the graveyard book which right. again we've talked about before but it starts um it starts where you're in the middle of a terrible thing happening where a bunch of people have just been murdered and i think actually being in the middle of that sequence rather than at the beginning or eased into it like one, it's it would be worse. Still, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be worse. Absolutely. <laughs> one, it still was shocking to me. Yes. But we don't actually actively see anyone killed, basically, yeah. at that point. Like they are it's all happened and it's just the killer and the little boy. Yeah. And so it I think it is a little more accessible than if it was earlier in that sequence. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I'm not sure how else he would have entered this story because <laughs> it's such a yeah. unique story in that you have to kind of gain that hook to the little boy in such a visceral way. Yeah, and you have to know what happened to him. Otherwise, yes. it doesn't make sense. But yeah, if he had started yeah. it any earlier, I think you're right. It would have been, as it was, it was already fairly traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think if it was any earlier, it would have been too traumatic. Absolutely. I think when I think of things starting with action, I often think of like, like people running from stuff or like, you know, like I've definitely read books that start that way and it's not my favorite. Like I don't, I don't love it. I feel disoriented. Yes. 
<laughs> in, unless the point is that the person who is the protagonist that you're with is also disoriented because yeah. then that they can stand in for the reader as well so they are learning as you are mm -hmm. but when they have a bunch of knowledge you don't it's, it's someone was mentioning how it's like having an inside joke that you don't know yeah and how it's kind of like that uncomfortable feeling of something's happening and you, you don't yet care and that's why i mean for me i i love character driven stories so getting even if it's not just character first like if it involves something that gives me a connection to the person who we're following yeah. in that first you know it doesn't have to be the first paragraph it could be the first several in obviously in mexican gothic it was actually the second paragraph that we start hearing about noemi and i think that one works very well yeah. i think though going too far where you still don't know who it's actually like who you're with mm -hmm. you're kind of like wait what's happening yeah it, that can be really disorienting you know it, it's almost as bad as like that talking heads when there's just dialogue going on and you're like i'm i'm in a black void <laughs> like not sure what's happening there's some good examples. Great example, though. I mean, that's a great point that sometimes disorientation can work if it is with the character instead of kind of against the character. Or like, and that made me think of um, Fledgling by Octavia Butler. Have you read that one? I haven't read that one, but I think we had talked a little bit about it slightly. Yeah, I, yeah. The beginning of that book, I mean, that book was, it was interesting. I have things to say about it, but we won't yeah. get into this. But the beginning <laughs> is, um, I awoke to darkness. I was hungry, starving. I was in pain. There was nothing in my world but hunger and pain. No other people, no other time, no other feelings. I was lying on something hard and uneven and it hurt me. One side of me was hot, burning. I tried to drag myself away from the heat source, whatever it was, moving slowly, feeling my way until I found coolness, smoothness, less pain. It hurt to move. It hurt even to breathe. My head pounded and throbbed. I held it between my hands, whimpering. The sound of my voice, even the touch of my hands seemed to make the pain worse. In two places, my head felt crusty and lumpy and almost soft. And I was so hungry. Like it goes on from there and throughout the whole thing, yes. like it starts raining and she doesn't realize it's rain at first. Um, and like then kind of slowly as she comes to herself, she oh, rain, I know this word. You know, like she is so disoriented. She doesn't know who she is, where she is, anything that's happening. All she knows is this pain and this hunger. And, um, and you don't, as the reader, like, like it is kind of disoriented, but you're right there with her. Like, okay, what is going on? Yes. And, and as she slowly starts to realize the things around her, she still doesn't know who she is. And then mm. the course of the book is her kind of finding that out and figuring out again um, who she is and what happened to her and why why that opening happened and like what, yeah. what happened to get her to this place where she forgets everything mm. which is so intense but it right away yeah. like because you're you're feeling it with her and you're like yeah what's going on who are you where are you what's happening <laughs> so much pain it pulls you in and, it, and I think that's an example of a, that disorientation working in, in the, a book's favor I think that's a great point as well because the maze runner does it too where it's it's almost like how would you do it otherwise getting yeah. into the world of that book and and i do think that there's something very when the person who's telling you this story is also lost yeah. and it's very like in the present and very like you're with them 
I, I think that there's something very, you know, it's like having a conversation with someone who's asking for help. Like, yeah. You, you can't like it's very compelling you can't you can't from they're yeah. talking to <laughs> you and you're like i can't put this down because yeah. there there is that almost like innate like human yes almost feeling of helplessness right along you have to be there and you have to figure it you know in addition to like their confusion becomes your confusion and you ask the yeah. same questions that they're asking it's also like the concern for that yes. person yes. being in that position yeah, it promotes a lot of empathy and which I think the empathy side, the like engaging your your reader to emotionally connect. Um, I think that's important. Like, I, I mean, I obviously really like to emotionally connect with the books that I read, and I I do. Um, I tend to. Um, if I like the book a lot, I will kind of really emotionally get involved with the characters, and I think. I think that that's a good thing to consider is how to tell the story so that it does engage yeah. empathy and maybe even telling the story in the right order to mm -hmm. continue to engage empathy, especially, you know, sometimes we have very flawed characters where they make very significant mistakes and maybe yeah. even putting some things like that into context or holding certain pieces back that they might not be able to accept themselves or, you know, any of those yeah. things that can kind of keep reader sympathy until you're at the point that you're ready to give out that piece of information. I know that we've talked about in The Hate You Give that actually there's a character who has done something and it's talked about just superficially. Yeah, we don't know what it was. Yeah. We don't know what it was. Right and we don't know until much later in the story and i think that that was a great choice because it kept sympathy yeah. with that character once you got the piece of information it was still terrible what they did but you can see you had already seen these yeah. other sides of them and kind of gained some some empathy for them yeah exactly so you can kind of give it context rather than you making you know that decision on the character with just that piece of information yeah. and and that's i think not losing your reader in that way yeah. Do we want to talk about opening with dialogue? Because I have a couple of good examples. Yes. Of that. <laughs> what is honest, I like that actually too. I don't see it very often, but I do like it. I don't see it very often speaking. in most of the books I read. And I wonder mm. if it is a genre thing. Oh, interesting. Um, Maybe. Because it might be. It might be yeah. a genre difference that, you know, lots of fantasy doesn't tend to. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm, I'm not sure. It, exactly enough about what the genre and that's the thing yeah. is there are genre like expectations sometimes that yes. it's like if you start with this you just need to be aware that that is kind of outside the typical expectations yeah. of yeah. it um but interestingly enough the one i have is actually little women <laughs> so it's not a modern book <laughs> but i actually really like it I hadn't read it in a very long time. So when I picked it up to look at it, it actually surprised me where the actual book starts since I've watched the movies so many times and they start in different places. But the book itself starts um, with Christmas won't be Christmas, Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe lying on the rug. <laughs> it's so dreadful to be poor, sighed Meg, looking down at her old dress. 
I don't think it's fair for some girls to have plenty of pretty things and other girls nothing at all, added little Amy with an injured sniff. We've got mother and father in each other, said Beth contentedly from her corner. <laughs> and that is the greatest introduction of all four little you women. You get a little bit of each of them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> when I read it, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. But it, it does. Like, obviously, I know the story so well, but I'm like, oh, I can totally. But it does a really good job of, especially when you have so many characters that you have to introduce quickly of yeah. giving you those very those four very different yeah perspectives but also like how they're sitting yes um and where they're sitting in the room is kind of like <laughs> oh like it just it gives it gives so much in so few words yeah which well and I it leaves a question too because you're right away asking okay why are they not gonna have presents for christmas and what's different about this christmas than other christmases or then you know like absolutely well and it also like some of that is just super relatable where you can relate to like having those disappointments and those comparative things that you're like, I, I, you can totally get with them. Even if you haven't experienced that exact thing, you can kind yeah. of relate in that, in that way too. Totally. I actually had one other that we actually talked about previously. Yes. Magnolia Sword actually starts with a bit of dialogue as well. Um, and it, it also starts with a fight, um, which we've talked about kind of how that and the setting of it, you know, it is a little... I think that one was disorienting for me yeah. at the beginning because I didn't know, um, because it is first person, if I remember right, and I yep. didn't know who I was with. Who was um, who, yep. And just like, even whether the character, the main character was a male or female at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and, which maybe serves the story in some ways, like as you get... Yeah. But... Yeah. I, I think there is a lot of purposeful like gender yes softening in that book yes mm -hmm. and, and maybe even like confusion in some ways with that character of who yes. she has to be when and where I think a lot of the pronoun choice yeah in certain places was very purposeful yeah um, but it is like it is a choice like it was a it was a choice yeah I think that it started in the right place but it's yes, interesting in that as I read it, like as I picked all these up, I had no idea it started with dialogue. Like I thought yeah, I didn't that it was, that either. It yeah. was it was a jump into action. action. What I yep. thought, yeah. that's, that's what I thought too. But it's uh, who has young D? It's been a while. My opponent murmurs. In the feeble light, his shadow is long, menacing. It has been nearly two years since we last crossed swords. But I'm nobody's young D. Nobody's younger brother. And I love that because. Mm -hmm. Because it it does ask the question of okay like like, yeah. like well, who why are then <laughs> is he calling that character little brother she is she being Sherry Thomas is giving both cultural information yes. of how people are addressed while also giving information of them talking to each other yeah. and how they interact yes. and that he's menacing and that he's tall. So we get the idea that, you know, comparative size is different. So from that standpoint, I kind of like that part of it, but it is, yeah. it is jarring. It is a very jarring first chapter. But I think it was good too. I mean, I, it definitely me pulled me in and one made me want to read more. Absolutely. Um, like that, that book was one of those that I, I picked up and I didn't want to put down. Like, 
do you want to talk about um, kind of strong narration, just and kind sure. of tone setting? That tends to not be my favorite. I will tell you. For absolutely. <laughs> well, and I have to include. But I do have an example, I think, too. But yeah, yeah. That's a good example, actually, though, yes. because I think it also does. Like, I love that first line yes. of that one because it plants such an interesting question in the reader's mind right away. But yes. you're right; it is more narrative. It is. It is actually an incredible like chapter of information dumping. Yes. But I'm here for it. Absolutely. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So the first line it, or lines are: Our dragon doesn't eat the girls he takes, no matter what stories they tell outside our valley. We hear them sometimes from travelers passing through. They talk as though we were doing human sacrifice, and he were a real dragon. Of course, that's not true. And then it goes into what he is, but I love our dragon doesn't eat the girls he takes. Yeah. No matter. It's so good. It's just straight away. You're like, wait, why do other people say he does? Like, what does he do with them? And why does he take girls? Like, that's exactly yeah. like, I think that's an example of doing what we said maybe you shouldn't do. Like, like generally we've yeah. talked about like sprinkle the information throughout the chapter. Like, don't just dump it. Like that one, she just, she tells you right away, like what's going on and what who he is. Absolutely. And just tells it right up front. But it kind of works for the tone and feel of that because it has this yes. very fairy tale feel, this very like narrative kind of voice. And it fits. It makes you right away, it brings to mind like sitting around a campfire, hearing like someone tell a story or reading Grimm's fairy tales or things like that, you know, like, and I think that worked. Absolutely. And I, I think it also worked because of that intriguing. Yeah why the first of, lines hadn't been so intriguing it would have, yeah. it would have failed. and then as you get more information you're yeah. like wait this is still crazy yeah. and I think that it would be if you jumped right into the choosing and all of that it would be really I like that you get it, it's almost a prologue of a flash you know yes. backwards yeah. that you get like the growing up yeah and the history of the two friends as girls I think that works really well too because you need to you need to care about the two of them yes. to, together before you know and their friendship yeah, if she had started yeah later you wouldn't have gotten that yeah absolutely so i think that it's one of those and it may be you know it also falls into like the more high fantasy where you're like yeah. you expect a lot of really dense world type building yeah. um even though it does feel like a fairy tale in places that it's it just has that kind of sparkle of okay. uh, that that narrative kind of pull of a fairy tale of that once yeah. upon a time yeah. and every time i read it like the beginning of it it kind of like repulls you in and you're like ah, like I, I don't know it's just a really good interesting yeah. book <laughs> so we have to do hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy we mentioned it once but we didn't really talk about like the first part of it I love this book, and this is just a fantastic beginning. Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. And I love, it then goes on to talking, you know, orbiting this at a distance of roughly 98 million miles is an utterly insignificant little blue-green planet. <laughs> and we know that he's talking about earth and i love how the beginning of that just sets that tone 
you get that this is looking at the earth from a very different lens because obviously we are all human reading this book we do not see you know our part of the galaxy as uncharted backwater and i just like that it shifts our point of view while also giving a lot of worlds building about where our packing order is in the grand scheme of things within the galaxy and the universe and it sets up the tone of that whole book so well like it's that kind of satirical like comical um yeah poking fun at everything kind of absolutely (laughs) we should come back to that one when we talk about endings i i i'm totally here for that same reason (laughs) yeah okay so one that came to mind for me when i was thinking more about like that kind of narrative thing like a little bit of that slower build was the secret history which the beginning of that is kind of it's intense but it is like this yeah it is more like okay i'm just gonna read (laughs) yeah go for it (laughs) the snow in the mountains was melting and bunny had been dead for several weeks before we came to understand the gravity of our situation he'd been dead for 10 days before they found him you know it was one of the biggest manhunts in vermont history state troopers the fbi even an army helicopter the college closed the dye factory in hampton shut down people coming from new hampshire upstate new york as far away as boston it was difficult to believe that henry's modest plan could have worked so well despite these unforeseen events we hadn't intended to hide the body where it couldn't be found in fact we hadn't intended to hide it at all Mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely like intense and but it right away like okay so this was meant to look like an accident but wasn't and makes you wonder like like you it right away pulls you in and asks this yeah. question like okay this wasn't an accident what really happened yeah. <laughs> how did all of this come about but it is kind of more that narrative like telling what happened a little more environment setting and like kind of the what's going on but also that fits with with the tone of this book i think too like it's a yeah. little more literary and very dark it was very yeah. very dark well, <laughs> and that actually like because that's what the openings, you know, that opening yeah, chapter also right does. What it, what it is. Yeah, I, 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 it's intention setting as well. Like, this is what you can expect from this book. And it, it's really those setups of the overall tone of what the book itself is going to be and making sure that that's delivered up front so that there's not a disconnect where, like, all of a sudden your reader yeah. is like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, to make sure that they know this is the type of book you're getting into. Like, yeah, it really gives you the reader that be prepared because this is going to be it throughout. You know, it's almost yeah. like turn away if you want. Like, <laughs> I think that, you know, bearing that in mind, that genre and book feel and tone, and even like it could be on the side of like, is it more literary or is it more like thriller or is it like figuring out what's done in those genres and maybe exactly. figuring out if it's right for your book? Not that you should follow, you know, you don't have to, but it's kind of knowing what kind of expectations you're setting by just how you open it up. I think that's such a good point. Like there is so much of opening lines is about expectations and is about kind of controlling readers expectations at the same time as you're trying to kind of pull in the readers that you want or the readers that the story is for and that won't be everyone absolutely 
I was just, as we're looking at setting things up, one of the things came back to mind from Stephen King's actually on writing, mm-hmm. where he talks about the old theater rule of if there's a gun on the mantle in act one, it must go off in act three. Mm-hmm. And the, the opposite is true. So right. a lot of your opening maybe not setting up exactly exactly so if you have something major happening know where your setups are and those beats so that they don't feel like later on in the book they're coming out of nowhere make sure you're doing that proper setup work the planting or the you know whatever you need to do and even as we've talked about kind of planting the things that are going to be important later earlier in the book so that you can also show change because that's yeah that's definitely part of the process too, is as we write stories, we want to show some progression Mm -hmm. towards something, you know, whatever that is that we're progressing towards so that it doesn't feel like the story is spinning its wheels. So however that progression is shown, kind of setting those things up. Yeah. Yay. Okay. (laughs) I feel like I could totally talk about first lines more. Yep. And, and we'll probably look, link some articles about, you know, different, yes. getting more into the details of different types and things like that. Yes. I think the big takeaway though is like, don't let first lines scare you. You know, like yes. you can rewrite them later. You can adjust them later. Like, like get in and, and write something. And then do though, keep in mind that first lines are important, that they're that invitation yes. for the reader, that they help set the scene and set the expectations. They help introduce the character and give that hook that's going to keep the reader wanting more. And so they are important and we should spend time on them, but, but not to the point of stressing yourself out, yes. <laughs> but to the point of um, being aware of what you're doing and maybe doing it yes. intentionally being aware of what does this first line do and does it, or these first lines or this first chapter or first paragraph or whatever, does it do what I want it to do? Does it pull the reader in? Does it make them want to keep reading more? Does it, you know, get them interested and in, in feeling empathetic towards my character? All those kinds of things. Yeah. Absolutely. So keep writing books so we can keep analyzing <laughs> your first lines. <laughs> keep reading books. And yeah, we would love to hear what your first line, like what your favorite first lines are. And you can find us on Instagram and share that with us. And yeah, we would just love to connect with you if you want to connect leave us a comment or send us a message or anything like that we're glad you're all here and listening and we are excited that we're we've done more than 100 episodes now and we're just tagging along (laughs) thanks for being here with us yay yay